everyone welcome back i'm jess and i'm regan and this is you pick we watch the podcast where you pick the movie and we take a deep dive into it learning everything we can about your recommendation today we're taking a look at wes anderson's 2014 film the grand budapest hotel was that a grand hotel or what oh that was so grand (laughs) uh what's the fanciest hotel you've ever stayed in um probably the the one i stayed in in aruba i think it's called the rio antilles antilles um i just remember the balcony was great and there was liquor dispensers like in the wall (laughs) (laughs) the i mean yeah there has to be if you're on the islands exactly they know what it's about um, I think my fanciest one would probably have to be the Venetian in Las Vegas that mm-hmm. a company I used to work for uh, paid for when we went to conference. So very um, nice. Yeah, Vegas has a lot of really nice hotels. I've stayed in a few of them. Um, my aunt stayed in the Cosmopolitan, and it was like a three-bedroom suite. It was bigger than the house <laughs> I lived in. Jeez. <laughs> um, but the uh, the rooms at the Venetian were incredible that I didn't have to pay for. So <laughs> those are the perfect kind of rooms. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, today we are talking about the 2014 Wes Anderson film, The Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, a quick overview of it is a writer encounters the odor owner of an aging high class hotel tells him of his early years serving as a lobby boy in the hotel's glorious years under an exceptional concierge pretty much hits it yeah um what was your initial reaction you said you had seen this before right yeah that's right and uh my initial reaction was the same this time too is it's very eccentric like it it's got a strange amount of whimsy put into it that it kind of makes you feel like the person who wrote it might have been a little crazy, but it, it still works. Yeah, um, this is actually my first Wes Anderson film. Like, I looked through his IMDb, and I'm like, I have to have seen something, and no, I have not seen mm-hmm. anything that he's done. Um, I've always heard of him. Like, I know that he has big ensemble casts, um, they're always kind of weird movies. Like they're kind of out there. Mm-hmm. So I always thought that like, they'd kind of go over my head with his meaning and his themes. Like I just wouldn't understand them. So, and so he seemed a little pretentious to me, um, mm-hmm. but I was super impressed with the different filming techniques that were used in this movie. Um, again, the use of miniatures, you know how we love those. <laughs> oh Yeah. Um, and just, but like overall, I kind of found the story dry and the humor forced, but I mean, we'll get into it more later, but yeah, it was an interesting first viewing of a Wes Anderson movie for me. I will say that this might be the most Wes Anderson a movie could be like his other ones are pretty, they're more normal compared to this one. Yeah, well, now I'm a, I am excited to watch 
because um, Fantastic Mr. Fox is on our list, I think. Yeah. So when that, that gets pulled up, I think I'm going to be more, I'll know what to expect a little more, I think, maybe. Maybe yeah. not, but... Um, but yeah, like I said, he has a lot of big casts, um, very large ensemble casts in his movies. Um, with a lot of the cameos, like only lasting a few moments, I noticed. Um, what was your, who was your favorite, like, cameo ensemble person? You can't go wrong with Bill Murray. Like, he's, he's just a <laughs> fantastic, <laughs> fantastic addition to any movie. And he's, He's one of those people who's in like the Wes Anderson fan club. Like every time he makes a new movie, Bill Murray's in it in some fashion. You know, he's he's like Johnny Depp and Tim Burton. Yeah, there are a lot of director actors, people that are like that, like um Quentin Tarantino and his group, Kevin hmm. Smith and his group. Um, so it it's definitely cool. I think one of my favorite was uh Harvey Keitel. And I <laughs> I love him and everything he does. Um, my introduction to him was actually with um, Sister Act back in 91. <laughs> um, one of my all-time favorite movies. And I think even though he plays like the same character every time, he makes he's able to make each one different in his own. And I, I love him for that. Yeah. And uh, I actually didn't recognize that that was him the first time I saw this movie. <laughs> you didn't get it, the accent <laughs> i should have and you know faces don't really change but something about a shaved head and covered in tattoos i just didn't put it together yeah i mean uh, i don't think harvey Keitel's face has changed in 25 years no so, um what'd you think of william willem dafoe <laughs> he's he's like laughably evil and i love that like the <laughs> The scene where, well, okay, him just walking around constantly with brass knuckles on is hilarious. And then throwing <laughs> the cat out the window for, like, no reason was all... That got me so good. <laughs> um, I think the scene where he's in the uh, the church and he, like, <laughs> quickly skips out right after they notice him. Mm-hmm. It's just very animated and very... It, it's just, he plays villain. He plays crazy and a villain really well. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, <laughs> I, I will say that he, his, uh, his jacket is so cool. How it just uh, kind of rips open on the chest and has like a flask and a gun like holster. Yeah. Yeah. It surprised me like when he did that when he was sipping and the guy's <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> He's like, doesn't say anything, just opens it, puts it in. <laughs> um, and Tilda Swinton. I I almost didn't recognize her because like she had some great makeup on. Oh yeah, I didn't even know she was in the movie until I saw the credits the first time. <laughs> that's when you know you have a good makeup artist. <laughs> oh yeah, it's weird because that's like almost a trend with her in mm-hmm. recent years. Like she she plays really interesting characters and rarely looks like herself. Yeah, she was um. Uh, Captain Phasma, right? In the new Star no, Wars? Uh, no, that was Gwendolyn Christie. Oh, okay, yeah, Thrones. Gwendolyn Christie, yep. Sorry, they both are similar to me. <laughs> well, if you made Tilda Swinton, like, six feet tall, and just, like, I don't know. <laughs> if you made her look more like a football player, that would be right on the money. Okay, she was in Doctor Strange, right? 
Yeah. Tilda, Tilda Swinton, that was her? That's right. The time person? Okay. Okay. Yeah. That was a weird movie, too. <laughs> um, What were some of your favorite parts in this? Because it kind of jumps around a lot and a lot of, like, really weird scenes. Yeah. I, you know, I was actually surprised to find that the movie's only, like, excluding the credit times, um, it's only about an hour and a half long. So much happens mm-hmm. in it, and like you said, it jumps around very quickly that I I always just thought it was long. I thought it was like a two-hour movie, but... I've... I'll tell you, it, it, made, it felt really long <laughs> to me. <laughs> <laughs> totally understandable. <laughs> I think I think Ray finds uh, Ralph finds was probably one of my favorite parts of the movie. Him and Willem Dafoe. Yeah, um, the whole skiing chase scene, mm-hmm. like James Bondy scene, mm-hmm. um, the way that was filmed, and just the whole like it felt like it went on forever. <laughs> but like the little things put into it when they like go off the ski jump. And then when they go in the bobsled track, like that whole thing was kind of really cool to see. Yeah. Um, was that your favorite part? Yeah, that part and the prison break part. <laughs> when, when they find the, the guards under the trap door made like it's I find that what makes me laugh in that movie is a lot of like little visual gags that you just kind of don't expect. You know, mm-hmm. like when they're escaping, they find those like five other guards. And then one of the prisoners just pulls out a knife and jumps down and then everyone's dead. Yeah, I think I'll call that a draw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, there was definitely some good, like, quick bits that I really liked. And besides like all the filming parts, but that prison break seemed like something that you would see and out of like a 1920s like silent film almost mm-hmm. the whole way that it was like done and very you know how those silent films like old films seemed like they were sped up yeah a little bit it kind of seemed like that at some points so yeah there's a lot of moments that the movie's just bizarrely silly like seemingly out of nowhere too when they're trying to accomplish something very normal and do it in a really silly way that's yeah. that's <laughs> that really gets me Mm -hmm. Um, so like moving into like the way it's filmed and stuff this was and like some now we can go into some of the behind the scenes I'm sure that you had this on there but it was nominated for one two three four five six seven eight nine ten Oscars and won four of them Um, but cinematography was not one of the winners yeah, it won for like costume design, makeup and hair, original score and production design. Mm-hmm. That last one doesn't surprise me at all. That was very elaborate. Almost every part of the movie is like strangely elaborate in some way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. From the miniatures to like the hotel that they did and you can see it like change from like the thirties to the eighties mm-hmm. um, and how they did it. Um, well-deserved. I have not seen Birdman. Have you seen Birdman? I haven't either. Okay. Birdman was what was the, 
I can't even remember who's in it, but um, it was what these were all up, what this was up against, basically, because there was a lot of controversy with the other movies in that year, um, Selma, um, something, and two other ones that like had a lot of controversy around the critics and stuff, didn't like them. So it was basically like Birdman in this movie got a lot of hype. Okay. Um, and Birdman ended up winning for cinematography and... I don't know. I feel like the cinematography in this movie was incredible. The way that they did everything, and so I'll have to wait and see if I what Birdman is, I, what it's like. I, I feel the same way because there's a lot of shots where, you know, it'll go into the hotel and then like straight up at something and then through a window. You know, it's like transitions from rooms to rooms are all they're like way better than they have to be. Yeah, um, and the use of lighting in certain scenes, like the scene with um, when Willem Dafoe is chasing Jeff Goldblum through the museum. Mm. Like, the lighting in, in that scene and how it plays to, like, it gets darker and darker <laughs> about what's going to happen, you're like, wow. Like, without that, you don't, like, that wouldn't even be that scene if you didn't have all that lighting. You know? Yeah, that was very well shot. And you're right, it's the lighting kind of helps build to the climax. Yep. Um yeah. Uh so going into like all that stuff, what I read was that um Wes Anderson usually doesn't get a lot of money for his movies. They're usually considered indie films, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he had $25 million for a budget for this movie, which not a lot for uh, a movie, really. But he ended up making... They only made back 811000 opening weekend. Mm. Uh, but they did end up making uh, $59 million in the U.S. while it was out. And it was a limited release, too. Wow. So. It blows my mind that that movie only had a budget of 25 million because it looks like it should cost a whole lot more. Um, Oh yeah. I even forgot it was an independent movie. Like apparently it was the highest grossing indie movie of that year. Mm -hmm. And I can definitely see that with the cast. I think a lot of people went to see, probably went into this movie thinking that the cast was in it a lot more than they were. (laughs) Um, yeah, like what Bill Murray only has like a four minute scene, maybe you added up all his screen time. Yeah, that's about right. There's it's weird because there are certain stars in that go out of my way to see a movie that they're in. And then at times the movie threw me a curveball where just some throwaway character that you see for two minutes is someone incredibly famous. Yeah, um, I mean, I have. Don't put it past me. I've bought movies where somebody I like is in it for three minutes. Um, so, I I totally am one of these people that would see a movie for somebody specific, even if they're not in it. Um, was I disappointed? Yes, but <laughs> <laughs> that's a dedicated fan right there, though. In it for three it minutes, is. purchase of a movie doesn't get much better than that. Exactly. Got to, got to produce, got to be the fan, you know? Um, so go ahead. What did you find out about the movie? 
Um, speaking of Tilda Swinton, she actually, we were talking about all the, uh, incredible makeup and prosthetics she had on to make her look <laughs> ancient, I'd say, uh, yeah. she spent five hours in makeup to play that, like to play that role. And she was in the movie for how long? Maybe five minutes. Yeah. That's yeah, maybe eight again. It's like, I'm sure that was not fun to do to sit in that chair for that long, but came out really well. Yeah, that's dedication to your craft right there. For sure. Uh, Speaking of the Uh, cast, um, the entire cast includes four Oscar winners and 12 Oscar nominees. Isn't that incredible? It really is, yeah. Like, to have that much star power, and I'm sure some of them were like, oh, Wes Anderson's doing a movie, let me see if I can get in that for a minute, (laughs) you know? Yeah, and I can't think of another movie that has, as far as the entire cast goes, like an impressive lineup like this, you know, like Inception, really good lineup, but this is like, what, 16 people or something? Yeah, I think 16 or 17, yeah. It's it's nuts. I'm trying to think of other movies that have, usually, honestly, usually movies with that kind of casting with a lot of famous people in them um, tend to get canned like um, Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, like all those rom-coms that have, you know, 15, 20 people in them. Yeah. Um, Love Actually. So they usually end up getting bad, uh, bad reviews and whatnot. So my question is, do you think that has to do at all with the cast or just the fact that they're rom-coms? Um, I think it has to do with rom-coms, honestly. They try to force so much at you. Yeah. I kind of grew out of rom-coms probably like five to eight years ago. I I never really could say that I was a fan of them. But again, that being said, Love Actually isn't that bad. I have not seen it, and every Christmas I'm like, oh, I should watch it, because I own it, and I'm like, and then Christmas goes by, and I'm like, man, I don't want to watch it now. <laughs> I already didn't do that, and now it's New Year's. Yeah. Uh, I have seen, like, Valentine's Day and New Year's Eve. Um, and there, there are some, there's a couple rom-coms out there, but I don't know. I think nowadays they're just so sappy. Yeah, I you know, come to think of it, I don't really see a whole lot of those being made anymore. Like, there's been a handful I can name that came out in the past, like, three, four years, but not nearly as prevalent as, like, the early McConaughey days when he was in, like, five of them a year. Oh, yeah, Jennifer Lopez and McConaughey yep, era? Yep, yep. Yeah, Kate, absolutely. Kate Hudson, I think, also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. There was the last one I saw was on Netflix, and it was the Ali Wong, oh, um, one, which was really good. It was like I love her as a comedian, so I was like, I'm gonna give her movie a chance, and it was really, it was actually really, really good because it, she doesn't like beat you over the head with it, and it's more real, I guess. I've heard good things about that. Yeah. Uh, so if you're gonna watch one, that's a good one to watch. 
Right on. I oh man, I I saw at least most of can't remember if I finished it. God, what is that guy's name? There's uh one of the dudes from Workaholics. Was it the guy in uh Pitch Perfect? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his name is right on the tip of my tongue. Adam yeah, Devine. Him, I, yeah. I, yeah, there you go. Adam Devine. There's <laughs> one, again, I only started watching the movie because it had Alexandria Daddario in it. But um <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much unwatchable. It <laughs> yeah it went... you thought you were going a different direction with that yeah <laughs> it was so bad it was bad oh that's that's great he totally like came out of left field with that i thought you were gonna be like yeah it was pretty good actually oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, um all right that was our little side quest we always have it today it's it's on break we do it is on brand. Um, going back to the cinematography and the filming, um, they actually shot this movie in three different ratios, um, which would have been the ratio used in the time of film. So like when they were shooting the 1932 scenes, they filmed in scenes, they filmed uh, the ratio that would have been used in 1932. Um when they were doing the 1968 scenes, they filmed in uh, widescreen and technovision, which would have been used in 1968. And then the 1985 scenes, um, they used what would have been used at that point in time to the standard, I think 1.85 was what it was. Um, and at the beginning of my DVD, it said, please set your TV to a 16.9 ratio. I was like, well, I've never seen that. Hmm at the beginning of anything because it's like usually your your dvd player or whatever you're playing it on will automatically set it to whatever resolution or uh, ratio you need um so i thought that was pretty cool yeah definitely and again like the second time i've seen this movie being today um maybe it's the third time i didn't explicitly notice that but my brain could track that you know, there was a definite change in how everything looks like beyond just the production design for the different eras. You know, it's one of those uh-huh. subtle things that even if you don't consciously point it out, you're still aware that um, there's a subtle difference in the way that the movie's presenting those scenes to you. Yeah, um, and that was it just kind of it was cool. Like you don't see people doing stuff like that to really immerse you again that goes back to what we've talked about like um directors and people how much love they put into their movies to make it what it is i was definitely feeling the love in this one like it seemed like every creative choice anderson made was deliberate for some reason or another Mm -hmm. like yeah i agree um i guess (laughs) what i read online the uh every time a newspaper article appears like on camera real quick it actually contains a complete description of the events like in the headline all written by wes anderson so it's like he pretty much wrote an entire newspaper just for you know the two seconds you see it and only get like the main message out of it yeah i think i thought that was so cool and another thing with the papers like 
when he's running that first time when you see the papers and he's running and he goes, look at this. And it says <laughs> uh, tanks at the border war question mark. And then like they're talking about they're like, oh, my God. And it pans down to like that. Uh, the madam's dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that was great. Again, it's it's those those moments that make me laugh the hardest in this movie where they just kind of hit you with a misdirection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the what did you think of the use of miniatures in this? Because I felt like even though you could see them and you knew you knew without a shadow of a doubt that how they were filming, like the beginning, the whole beginning scene and the forest skiing scene was done with mini- miniatures. But it, I think it was done so well and it flowed so well with the movie that I didn't mind that I knew that that's what it was. Yeah, that's that's actually become a little part of his style is shooting things like you can still tell they're miniatures, but they're done really well. And again, there's so much detail packed into them. Like even the surface of the Grand Budapest Hotel has so many like windows and architecture choices that like there's always something new to pick out from there. I think that I always get like obsessed with the detail of them that it tends to, again, not really matter. Like you said that they're fake. Yeah. Um, I when I first turned it on and I saw the beginning, I was like, well, they didn't try to cover that up. <laughs> did they? That's really just, that's just like the little train set playing right there. I really want to get your initial take on the movie because if you're not prepared for it, the first few minutes are just strange. Yeah. Um, everybody email in this week if you watched it um, or if you plan on watching it or if you've seen it. Email us and tell us what you thought in that initial probably five or ten minutes. Of the movie and let us and let us know if you saw the trailer or knew anything about the movie beforehand too yeah i did not see the trail i i may have seen the trailer but i think it has been so long that nothing really clicked for me um i think i remember the royal tenenbaums trailer <laughs> more than this one uh so, yeah, let us know, because it's definitely one of those movies. Speaking um, of the actual hotel, uh, yes. turns out that um, they actually purchased a department store, the Gorlitzer Warren House department store in Germany, and used that for the main lobby. Like they changed that same building, the interior of it for each period that the film took place in. And um, outside of the actual lobby in the offices above, they actually used that to uh, produce the film, like doing the t- technical That's stuff cool. up there. That's cool. I like when everybody's like in the same space and it was shot over a span of only 10 weeks, too, yeah. wasn't it? Yes, <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, to coordinate with 17 high-profile people um, and to get everything done, principal anyway, principal photography done within 10 weeks. Um, And he actually had everybody, I think he had everybody there at the same time too, right? He put them up in a hotel or something together. Yeah, Yeah. and um, the costume fittings happened in the hotel lobby to speed up filming. 
He's on the indie train there. That's how you that's how you roll on an indie movie. <laughs> exactly. Um what let's pause for a moment since we've been talking a lot about the movie. What do you think of the themes within the movie? Um did you get them at first? I because honestly, hi, I had to look them up. So I, I definitely picked up on them more the second time and again i i'm not really great at picking up on themes but i guess uh a second viewing now that i'm older i i did recognize that nostalgia and um like loyalty and friendship were big parts of the movie like uh ray finds kind of like uh his the way he dresses and his aristocratic speech and everything, his ideals seem to harken back to an earlier time that he might not even been a part of, but he kind of wants to live in that era. Yeah. What'd you pick um, up on? I'm terrible about, yeah, I'm terrible about picking up themes too. Um, the only theme that I kind of could get without seeing is the rise of like, a type of fascism mm. with it. Um, mostly because like, even before we saw the headline, like there's a lot of context clues in this movie for that oh. theme. Um, but like when the first time they're stopped on the train, why are we stopping <laughs> in a field? <laughs> uh, that with their uniforms, um, you could kind of tell. And just because of the time period and the era, you could kind of tell that that's where it was going. Um, mm-hmm. I think, obviously, towards the end, when you have the huge lightning bolts esque Nazi symbolism in the hotel, oh, yeah. like it kind of it like gets thrown in your face, and you know. But that was really the only one that I kind of caught with, and the rest of it was to me was just the like um, mentorism. I mm-hmm. guess like he was mentoring the uh zero but yeah I'd, i wouldn't have caught anything i would have to have watch it a couple more times to really like look into things more are you are you ready um, for a deep dive on framing yes. in their friendship so when yes. uh ralph finds is more of a mentor in the like beginning part of the movie leading up to the middle he's always the one who's present like uh, closer to the camera with zero behind him but like kind of over his shoulder in a way and a lot of scenes um like that he's always the one who's closer and then by the time that zero helps bring him out of prison they share the screen equally so that could again this was not original thought by me this was from a video I saw, <laughs> but it, it made sense. And definitely, again, that just if that is as in, as intended by Anderson, that's another, you know, really subtle creative choice that I think kind of adds. I think it absolutely was intended by Anderson if that if it's like that. I don't think he puts anything in his movie that he's not. Um, that he hasn't metic- he seems like the type that is meticulous and has everything down like this is what's gonna happen now this is what you're gonna do now yeah you know and 
he he doesn't make movies every year either. It usually takes a couple years for him to really crank out a new movie. Yeah, he has one coming out. Soon, yeah, the French right? Dispatch. That's again, it looks like it's a huge cluster of famous actors similar to this, and I can only imagine how that's going to play out. Uh, yeah. I'll have to watch some more of his movies because I can't let this be. I can't let this be it. Speaking so. of that. Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. Speaking of the, the train scene where they get stopped, like right in the middle of that barley field, I couldn't I couldn't exactly <laughs> put my finger on why Ralph Fiennes made me laugh so much. And uh, until I, I saw another video about comedy in this movie, where it's uh, they play around with rudeness and politeness that are at odds with the setting. Like, um, basically, you, you know, like during the will, the will reading, Adrian Brody is, you know, everyone's being very respectful and he is suddenly extremely rude and has that outburst when he finds out that he's not inheriting that painting. And... That's kind of like yeah. inverse when they get stopped on the train is, um, you know, Ralph Fiennes is very polite and all that stuff, almost to a, a hilarious degree. And then when they try to take zero off the train, it's like immediately out the window. Yeah, I those scenes, I think and the type of symbolism in those scenes, like the uh, the train, both train scenes kind of went over my head, I feel. I didn't really get them or understand them. I I can kind of see how they moved the story the story forward, but that your explanation of it um, makes a little more sense for me now. Hmm. So right on. Yeah, because I was I was at a loss at those scenes. I was like, why am I watching this? <laughs> why is this now? happening at all? Right. Um. So yeah. Um. Sorcy Rowan, have you seen her yes, in anything? Yes, I have seen her in so like she's had supporting roles in so many movies, and now is like starring in her own movies recently. And she's just you ever see an interview of someone on like Ellen or something, and you just think like, wow, they are so pure. Like too, too naive is not the right word but it's like oh man just the stuff that you were saying you you were too pure for this world that is that is how i yeah go watch uh yeah go watch jennifer lawrence's interviews before she did all the uh russell o or david o russell david o yeah david o russell's movies (laughs) um because she's the same way and that's exactly what i think of sorcy rowan too um this was her first time using her real accent huh. in the movie. Yeah. And I love Yeah, her she's accent. got a delightfully Irish accent. Her, her and Colin um, Farrell. I always like to see them in movies. Colin Farrell has given up talking uh, in an English voice. Doesn't matter what his movie is. He's, he's going to talk in an <laughs> Irish accent. He's going to talk with his real oh, voice. I... That's exactly uh, what I read about this movie, too, is that she asked Anderson if there was a specific accent because they're shooting in Germany. She wanted to know if there was a specific accent mm-hmm. she was supposed to speak in. And he's like, well, you know, Ralph Fiennes is speaking in, you know, British and you're speaking with a British accent. Zero's 
speaking with an American accent. He's like, how about we just make you do Irish? Yeah. She's so good. Have you seen Mary Queen of Scots? Oh, you got to. That is a good time drama right there. Okay. Yeah, I know it's got her and Margot Robbie in it, and that's it, it, you don't need to sell anymore. It's already made the sale. Yeah, that exactly. That's exactly why I bought it. I was like, Margot Robbie, okay, sold. Sorcy Rowan talking in an Irish Welsh accent, sold again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really, it's really, really good. Nice. Though. Um, you know that we were talked about the prison escape scene um i found an article that and i'll have the links again we'll have all the links posted in the description um in the show notes and stuff um but i found a link of stuff that they found during that was said during the commentary of the movie which i didn't watch the commentary i just (laughs) found this link um the scene where they're jumping over sleeping prisoners (laughs) as they escape um Anderson demonstrated how to do it and he ended up clipping um, one of the guy's mouths and the guy, the, one of the prisoners on the, that was sleeping swallowed his false tooth and he had to buy him a new tooth. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of funny. Odds of, oh, I guess pretty good. Um, but if you do want to watch the commentary, it is Jeff Goldblum and... Wes Anderson. Uh, Jeff Goldblum. That guy's a treasure. <laughs> they get off on a lot of tangents like we do. <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh, uh, what else you got? Um, bef- I just have a couple more facts here, but I just wanted to ask you first, what do you think of all the really vivid yeah. colors in the movie? I think it's definitely... There were certain parts where it was utilized very well. Um, when you first go into the the hotel and it's like kind of not drab, but like more mm-hmm. greens and stuff. And then when you see it back in 1932, really, really bright. Um, it was done really well. Um, the black and white scenes were utilized really well too. Um, and I already talked about like the lighting and stuff when they're, when uh, Willem Dafoe was chasing Jeff Goldblum through the museum. I thought that was the colors were really done well there. Um, would I have noticed them probably like without looking into things more? Probably not as much as I noticed the different styles mm. of filming. Gotcha. I I feel like some of the things I like about this movie could also be things that I might easily dislike about the movie like most of the time the color palette like you said is done really well and then they get into the elevator which is for some reason it's like this the fact that it's floor to ceiling red like blood red just i don't know made me want to barf well it's like the elevator in uh the shining i didn't to me anyway, but I could just be thinking of the blood coming out of the elevator yeah. in The Shining too, so. <laughs> <sighs> Both hotel yeah. movies, you know? Yeah. Oh, man. What if Wes Anderson made a sequel to The Shining? Oh, man. I, it's hard to It would picture. be yeah. dry humor. Oh, dry humor <laughs> punctuated by 
violence. Did you see there is a sequel yeah. to The Shining? Uh, Doctor Sleep, right? Yeah, with um, Ewan McGregor. Treasure. That guy is just fantastic. Yes. He, he is a chameleon. I think we <laughs> oh, talked yeah. about him before. Or maybe it was like something that we were talking offline about. But yeah, he's a, he's a chameleon. He's great. Did you know that the fictional Republic of Zubroka? Yeah, I think that's how you say that. It was actually named after uh, Polish vodka by the same name. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, uh, this movie awesome. is also Wes Anderson's seventh collaboration with Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. Wow. The only other one I can think of is The Life Aquatic. That's the only one that comes to mind for me, too. But yeah, apparently there's six more out there. He doesn't have a very big um, repertoire. Like, I feel like seven movies from the time this was made is like, maybe he's only made a couple more than that. Because I feel like his movies are so... Again, meticulous that he he really yeah. takes his time with them. I would be willing to bet that Bill Murray plays voices in, or at least a voice character in Fantastic Mr. Fox and Island of Dogs. Because I know those are two of his slightly newer movies. Yeah, I could see that. Imagine uh, if Fantastic Mr. Fox gets picked that'd be, this week. That'd be great. That would just be great. <laughs> It would be. I think if it gets picked this week, I'd be able to go back to back with those movies and see, okay, I can see what Wes Anderson does. Or does time apart make the heart grow fonder? Mm, I don't know with this one. This is probably going to be out of my mind pretty quick. (laughs) Uh, Speaking... Oh, I was was just going to say, um, speaking of a microsecond of a cameo during the confusing shootout near the end of the movie, like inside the hotel, George Clooney is one of the soldiers that opens his door with a gun and a tiny mustache ready to go. I I wanted to say some, one of these guys looked like he looked, somebody looked familiar and I was like, I bet that's somebody just because there were so many people. Uh, but I didn't, he, is yeah, he uncredited so. in the movie? Because he was there for... Yeah. It's those uncredited ones you have to like, look out for. Literally two seconds and then never again seen. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's the fun stuff that we look for on this podcast. To let you know so you don't have to go <laughs> looking for it. So you don't have to torture yourself with diving so deep you get seaweed under your fingers. Yeah, leave that to us. We'll find out all the nitty gritty and all the fun stuff. And uh, if there's any controversies, which we haven't come across any like really weird or bad things yet in the movies. Which either means we've been watching some pretty good movies or we just haven't dug deep enough. Yeah, I don't know. We watch videos. No, I was half joking about that really i mean if honestly if there's a controversy surrounding any movie usually that's like in the forefront of that information yeah 
or we're just not watching more uh, popular <laughs> enough movies. Cult classics for days. Yep. <laughs> That's what we do here. No, I can't wait for people to start uh, sending in some real gems for us to watch. Well, we got a couple into, gems so. so far. List. Oh, <laughs> oh, we did. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. Um, do you have any other uh, pieces? I'm all done. I'm all Last out of one pieces. Is that apparently the, I guess the greatest source of inspiration for the movie was the writings and author, uh, Austrian Arthur Stefan Zweig, which I am wholly unfamiliar with, but apparently he was writing stuff during the time period the movie came out. And the even though it's called Grand Budapest Hotel, Anderson got the inspiration for the movie when he was in Vienna, Austria. Hmm. I did read that it was uh, this guy's that guy is uh, based on his writings or something. But again, yeah, you're right. I don't know who he is either. Um, not going to pretend. <laughs> I, w- I want that to mean more to me than it does. <laughs> yeah. I feel like if somebody wanted to make a movie out of some writings, um, there are two great books <laughs> on Amazon that people could go find right now and make a movie <laughs> out of. You I sell my rights for cheap. Oh, I don't know about right Regan, now. but <laughs> anybody listening, <laughs> get at us. You can e- uh, uh, <laughs> I was gonna say you can email your, email the podcast with offers to to buy the rights to make the films for our books at you pick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't even say you pick. We watch at gmail.com. <laughs> I have that email up all day on my phone. So send those offer letters in. Bidding <laughs> starts low. Best offer. <laughs> uh, going into uh, now that we've discussed everything about the movie that we could find. Um, again, I'll have the links to some of the stuff that we found in the show notes. Um, what would you give this for a thumbs up? Thumbs down. My my personal feelings towards the movie is two thumbs up if you like very <laughs> eclectic, very uh, eccentric, bizarre, <laughs> just fun movies. Two thumbs up. All right. Uh, we're going to have to disagree again <clears throat> this week. Not by much. Not by much. But... Uh, um. This is not my normal type of movie. This got me out of my comfort zone, which is one of the reasons, too, why I wanted to start doing this with uh, you, Regan, is to have people give us movies to watch so I'm not watching the same five movies over and over again. Um, That being said, I used to be heavily into indie films back in, like, the early 2000s because it was really the only way to see movies that represented people like me um you didn't have a lot of lgbt movies back in the day and you had to they were all word of mouth and they were all indie films that were made on you know less than a million dollar budget mostly um and as years went on indie films gained more money they got more notoriety um and they lost a lot of that small indie magic that i always really loved 
Um, that being said, this is not an awful movie by any means. Um, there's a lot of themes throughout it. Um, the filming techniques, well, they're not like new. They were done in a very inventive way and done very, very well. Um, and a lot of the, almost all the actors nail their, nail their parts and they do feel like a cohesive unit doesn't feel like you're watching somebody that filmed something one week and somebody that filmed something else and they edit it together. Um, so I'll have to go one thumb just because of like that stuff. And if it didn't have those couple things with it, it probably would not have gotten any thumbs up from me just because it wasn't my type. And I, the story, again, I didn't really find super exciting. Um, but like I said, one thumb, and I am excited to watch Fantastic Mr. Fox because I want to see how they could One thumb's pretty good. So. Yeah. Um, nothing has got uh, thumbs down yet from us. And I don't know if that's just because we both really understand movies and know that there's not really any bad movies. You know? Like, everything's done with love. I'll tell you mostly. what, I tend to... Um, when I watch movies, especially for the first time, I tend to just default to not really nitpicking much. And I genuine, I generally like movies that I've seen so far. There's only a handful that were just, you know, super missed the mark. So, I mean, given the given a look at the list we have here so far from what people have sent in, I don't really see with the exception of like maybe two of them. I I'm not I'm not sure that there's going to be actually any bad ones. Yeah, I, I agree looking at the list and I tend to fall into a category where when movies are bad, I find them so bad. They're good. So we'll see. Um, that being said, I have seen a couple movies that I just cannot, cannot, well, I recommend them just so you can see them and see how bad they are. Um, my two worst movies, <laughs> they star the same person. Uh, oh. Blood Rain. Oh, man. Which I almost want to put on this list just because of how awful why, it is. Why did you, why did um, you bring that movie up? I and, had forgotten about it. <laughs> um, and then uh, The Assignment with Michelle Rodriguez, who's in both Blood hmm. Rain and that um if you're looking for a trash movie night either oh, one of man. those will do fine i feel compelled to give you um my so bad it's good movie my go-to i don't usually enjoy movies that are so bad they're good but this one is a whole other level it's called the room it was made in 2003 uh, it, it was like written directed produced it's starred in this dude who's like no one knows anything about and he's one of the worst actors of all time but it's so fun it's the tony Wasu yes absolutely movie right i've i've seen the movie that uh what's oh, his name did artist? based on that <laughs> yes yeah that's i've seen real. the disaster artist so that's a really good movie, <laughs> but man, you got to see the original to truly appreciate how good that movie is. I don't I don't know if I want to just watching some of <laughs> it, those scenes. It is 
<laughs> oh hi mark oh hi mark it is laughable <laughs> how bad that movie is but there's also a drinking game oh. to it and there's only like five rules and i'll tell you what i think i legit browned out by the end of that hour and a half movie <laughs> that's awesome i hope everybody listening is <laughs> getting ideas for either what not to send in or what to send in and make us suffer because either either way we're watching it <laughs> Yep. Um, all right. So this week we got one email uh, from Matt B. Because um, we have two Matts that email in. Matt B. says, you need to watch Geely. Do it. It's worth <laughs> it. It's horrible. So <laughs> I've heard that on many things. I do own the movie. I've never seen it. Um but uh, I'm excited for that one. Actually so the up, so. funny Matt B told me the story um, behind that movie as far as like how it relates to his life, where he and a group of three or four friends would <laughs> gift that movie in various packaging to other, you know, other people in the friend circle. And if you unwrapped it, you had to watch it. So this has been that poor man has had to watch this movie at least five times, maybe more. He said it got to the point where he turned it to French because he just wanted to hear something new out of this movie. Um, and I oh love man. that story. I love that. Oh, uh, and it That's hilarious. That's like uh that's what going back to Blood Rain, me and my friend Doug like compare every movie that we've watched to that movie. Like that is our that's the litmus test. That's our standard. So, yeah. So I totally movies yeah. and friends. I mean, you can't. Is go it wrong. weird? I'm a little excited so. for Geely. Um, I mean, I am. I I mean, I like. I can't wait. It's right up uh, <laughs> my alley that I never saw. So, um, I know. I remember that. Actually, I do remember the controversy around this movie when it came out. So. This one's going to have some some in-depth <laughs> controversy when we get to it. Speaking of our next movie, do you want to spin the wheel? Let me know where you're spinning so we can add our uh, high-tech production and value. Go. Beep, 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 I think I made Absolutely. a pretty good wheel, fortune wheel. Absolutely. So <laughs> it actually landed on Ready Player One. I believe that was recommended to us by Matt R. That's right. I'm so excited because hmm. I've been wanting to rewatch this one for a while. Um, I, there's going to be so much behind this. This oh, is, I, oh, this I is right up my book, alley. So all, all, all kinds Oh, you have even more information than me. That's going to be awesome. I love uh, video games in the 80s. And... <laughs> oh, it's going to be great. Um, yeah. So, Absolutely. you want to take us out? Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, next week, we're going to discuss Ready Player One, picked for us by Matt R., Remember, you can help select the next movie we watch by emailing the podcast at youpickwewatch at gmail.com. If, like if you like what you hear, uh, give us a quick five-star review. It really does help new podcasts to have that. 
help indicate to other people that this might be worth a listen. I'm Regan. You can find me on social media at author Regan Brooks on Facebook and Instagram. And I'm Jess. You can find me on Twitter at RadMadMal. Um, and yeah, uh, send us those emails. Anything really. else, Regan? This has been You Pick, We Watch. All right.